0: Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is March 15th, and we continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is need. Have you ever asked God to prove himself to you? Have you ever doubted? that God can actually provide for your needs. Have you ever heard the voice of God, and yet you still didn't believe, or you rebelled and did something different anyway? Today we're going to talk about our needs. The word is need. And we're going to be focusing on God and can He meet our needs. We're going to examine both scripture and personal experience, and we're going to really look at the truth, the truth about our needs. We have needs emotionally, physically, spiritually, and ultimately, Jesus Christ is the one who can meet all those needs. But for some reason, we don't always believe that, we don't always act upon that, and so let's... Let's jump into some scripture and have the Lord speak to us about our need. We begin with Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you've brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with your stick to the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, there's so much to this. If you just back up one chapter earlier, you see God's miraculous hand as he provides manna and quail for heaven so that people can eat. Bread from heaven, quail is meat. And by the way, quail these birds, if you've ever been quail hunting, they don't just lather on the ground and allow you to pick them up. And you also never see enough quail to feed millions of people. There was enough quail that the people could walk out and just pick them up, and there was enough of them birds to feed millions of people. It was a miracle. It wasn't like some birds just suddenly flew over. It was a miracle of God, and He provided food for them. A few chapters before this, God had just split opened the Red Sea so that people could walk across on dry land. And he destroyed the Egyptian army with the closing of the sea. Again, miracles. And yet, here we are a few chapters later, a few days later in the life of the children of Israel, and they're screaming about not having water to drink. They're already not only just willing to impeach Moses, Let's get rid of them for our thirst. But they're ready to stone him. They're ready to kill him. And we see a valuable lesson here. That people can get so focused on the crisis and their suffering that they're unable to see beyond what God can do to deliver them. Now think about this. We're the same way. Sometimes we get so focused on our suffering in a crisis that we forget how powerful and miraculous God can be. We forget his goodness. We we forget what he just demonstrated to us. And Moses, again, has to demonstrate God's plan. He has to demonstrate God's mercy. None of these people ask God for water. They just complained to Moses and said, why are we going to die? And yet God, he was never asked, but yet he mercifully said, I'll give you water. No, Moses might ask, but the people never went to God and asked for this. God, out of his mercy, out of his love, provided something that wasn't asked for. And he told Moses to go forth and to do this. It It was his plan, and he was going to do this. I want us to continue reading some scripture. Look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. For we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is a powerful passage, and I know at first glance this has nothing to do with need and Israel wanting water. But we need to get something down before we really get into what I consider the meat of what I'm talking about with with, with our need here. And that's that Jesus has provided us with some things. We talked about justification. We talked about peace. We talked about uh character and hope and I want to stop first and look at a process that the that, that, that's written here in Romans that that Paul the Apostle Paul he's the one who's writing this uh, points out and he talks about we glory in tribulations that's hardships it's the crisis because he says knowing that tribulation produces perseverance so we go through hard stuff and it produces perseverance. Now, perseverance isn't just faith. I mean, excuse me, faith, patience. It's more than that. Perseverance means you you endure, you go through this, and that perseverance produces character. And you say because you you endure it, you you overcome it, you go through it, it develops a character in you, and this character produces a hope. And your hope doesn't disappoint you because God has poured out his love in your life. He's poured out his love in your life. And now you have this hope that you know that God can provide. He can see you through. That's why it says when we were without strength, when we were like Christ did this for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's, that's hope, that we rejoice in the hope. Now, if we go through tribulation, hardships, and we don't persevere, it doesn't produce perseverance and patience. Then we take shortcuts. We want to get out of it quickly. We, we don't we don't want to, to to suffer and go through this. We just want to answer. Well, without that, we don't get character. And so when we take a shortcut, our character is now flawed. We're not as good as people as we think we are. When now we're taking a shortcut, our character, we will lie, we will steal, we will cheat someone to get what we want, because we don't want to persevere. We want it now. So now we have a flawed character. And because we have a flawed character, we have no hope. We don't hope that it will be there. That's why we lied, cheese, still cheat, whatever, to get what we want, because we don't want to have to endure We want what we want now, because we want to end any type of crisis or tribulation in our life. And you see, the point of this is that, you know, God has given us peace. He's given us peace. Our reason, our reason for enduring the crisis is the peace that God has given us. We've been justified by grace through faith. Our faith in that that God has justified. This gives us peace inside us. It gives us a reason to face this crisis. And joy, because of this, God has poured out joy in our heart. You know, the, the scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength, and he's pouring out this strength, this joy into our hearts. makes us overcomers, uh, overcomers. and because of that, we have confidence. See, we, we've now had hope produced, and because we have hope, this, is, this a biblical hope, by the way, is not worldly hope. Worldly hope is, we're really saying, we say, oh, I hope that happens. We're saying, I wish. A biblical hope is that we know this is a definite thing that's going to happen, but it's in the future. So when I hope biblically, I'm hoping I know something's going to happen in the future. And that's what I'm putting my my what confidence in. And see, that's what God's given us in this passage. He's given us confidence. We've been reconciled to God. And now we have confidence. That's hope. That's hope in Him. And you see, these are powerful things in Romans that we need to apply we need to apply them to situations like Exodus the the people you see in this point of the old testament Christ hadn't died for them they didn't know they had no confidence because they had no hope they, they they lacked joy and strength and because of that, they didn't have any reason to fight for the crisis they just roll over and 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 suffered because of it, and God in his mercy provided anyway. But God has given us these powerful things that we need to utilize when it comes to to difficult times, because we're talking about our need. And with that is a long passage of Scripture but I want us to look at, because it's going to speak to us, and that's in John chapter 4. Now, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 42. I know it's almost 40 verses Um, bear with me because God's going to teach us something. So starting in verse five, John chapter four. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sichar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks from the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing into everlasting life. And The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have said, Well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place we one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water pot and walked way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Then Jesus said to him, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say, There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, behold. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me, all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now there there is so much here. And I'm going to try to, in our short amount of time together, to talk about our need and how God can 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 meet that need, can 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 speak to us, but we have to we have to get our eyes off our crisis. It's like those Israelites that were thirsty; they forgot about all the miracles, they forgot about the food, they forgot about the part of the river. See, They forgot everything. All they could think about was they was thirsty and they wanted now. There was no hope. There was no perseverance. They just wanted now. Here. Here comes this woman. Now, this woman's coming up to this. Well, she's got needs. She's got physical needs. She needs water. She Without water, she can't live. She needs to drink it. She needs it for her home. She needs it to, to clean her clothes. She needs it to clean her kitchen utensils. Water is necessary for survival physically. She has emotional needs. We know that because she's had five husbands and another man now. She does emotional needs. She has needs emotionally with her relationships, but ultimately she has a spiritual need for God. She doesn't know God. It's just a religious thing. And we're going to see how she, she responds to this because so many times in, in her questions, um, she responds to, to Jesus's prods with certain reactions. And so, And, of course, here's Jesus, and he is the answer to all of her needs. But he's not exactly what she expected. There's Jesus standing there, and she's got these needs, but she wasn't expecting to find her needs fulfilled in the answer that was standing out there. And often that's like you and I. We have these needs, and we we, we won't... God to miraculously meet them, but we have these preconceived ideas. How is God going to meet my needs? I want God to meet my need right now. God, prove yourself, prove yourself. You know, we read the story part the Red Sea. God, part my Red Sea. Do it now, do it now. And we think our answer is going to come in a nice package the way that we want it to come. But often, It's like Jesus standing at the well. The Samaritan woman's got needs and she's not expecting her answer to be wrapped up in this man, Jesus, standing by the well. We're the same way. We ask God to do things and then we we doubt because we're waiting for an answer that we have in our mind, not maybe the real answer. And so I want to look at some factors that keep us from receiving from the Lord what we need. There are things that blind us. That make us just like those children of Israel in Exodus, screaming about their thirst. We're going to die out here. Or like this woman at the well, who points up many of these defenses. And of course, at one point, her eyes were opened. But we're going to go through some of these. So number one, prejudice. 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 See the first thing Jesus said when he meets her there, and he starts speaking to her. She's like, "Well, why are you talking to me, a Samaritan woman?" Now, I know that may not ring for you and me, but Samaritans and Jews speaking, there is high prejudice between Samaritans and Jews. Today, we live in a world where there is a lot of talk of prejudice. There's talk of racism. There's talk of these these things. Jesus. Breaks that and he breaks that mold and he crosses over streams. And sometimes our prejudice does not allow us to see the answer to our needs. We have to be able to see through things that are different, and that we don't like. The next thing we see here is what I call pragmatism. I guess pragmatism word other people use, but I know sometimes when I use it, people look at me like, "What does that mean? What what, what, are you, what are you talking about there?" And let me let me give you this, just not necessarily a Webster's dictionary definition, but when I'm talking about this pragmatism, means you just can't make sense of what God is providing for you. See, Jesus tells her, "If if she knew who He was." She'd have asked him for a drink, and he would have given her living water. She was, Jesus just told her he's got his answer. He's, he's the living water. And she's pragmatic. She doesn't, she can't make sense of what he just said. Because pragmatic is not it's not a practical thing. It's it's a it's like here's your answer. It's spiritual, but we take things so literally, so practically, we can't really see what was said. Technically. Out of that big old long scripture passage I read, Jesus gave the answer out right there. I've got living water. You should ask me for it. Now, I know that's my paraphrase, but that's that's what he said. And if that's all we had, you and I would most likely react like this woman, like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's it's a nice sounding religious thing, but I don't get it because we, we're, looking, we're looking for our physical. We're blinded by that physical need of water. And I don't get this spiritual living water stuff, and we blow it off. It is an answer. Just because we can't understand or make sense of it doesn't mean it's the answer. And it is the answer. She didn't get it. She was blind. And if that's all we had, we wouldn't get it either. Thankfully, the conversation goes on, and Jesus gives explanation. But I point this out because there's a lot of Scripture There's a lot of things that sometimes Jesus will respond to you and I the same way. He'll give us this spiritual I'm living water thing. And if we allow our pragmatism, this practical, practical, practical approach, forgive me for goofing up. This is not edited. This is all me speaking to you. Honestly, no edits, but if we, if we don't, if we're so practical, we can't see the truth of what he's saying. We we miss we miss our provision. We miss it, and then we want to blame him when he came with the answer, instead of continuing the conversation, or asking us asking him to help us understand. And 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 you see, this is by the way, if you have a Bible, it's in verse eleven. Um, because she's like, you don't have anything to draw. From this water. What do you mean you got living water? You don't have any instruments to draw this. What is this water? That, that's that pragmatism. The next thing we see is the, the third thing, the third factor, and what keeps us from receiving the need is incomplete understanding. Incomplete understanding. Over in verse 15, the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst or have to come here and draw water. See, Jesus explains to her what the living water is because of her pragmatism. So he explains to her, and then she still doesn't have complete understanding. It's incomplete. She's still thinking that he's talking about physical water. And she's saying, so give me some of this water. I want to drink it right now. She 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 gets the part where he's talking about he's going to meet a need, and, and she wants that, but she still has incomplete understanding. She thinks he's still talking about water in the well. He's got some water somewhere in a well. He, she's like, give me this drink. And this leads us to the next thing that will keep us from receiving from the Lord, meeting our needs. And that's that's our sin. Specifically, being caught in sin. So if you're taking notes, this is number four, being caught in sin. What do I mean by that? Jesus exposes her. She says, give me this water. She doesn't understand. So Jesus goes, okay, I'll give it to you. Go get your husband. And she goes, I don't have a husband. See, she tells a half truth. And we do the same thing with God. We have this need and we're crying out to the Lord to provide our need. And God gives us an answer. And we don't really understand completely. And then, and we're, but we're willing to take the answer. God, I don't understand, but I'll take it. And then suddenly God exposes us. He exposes some sin in our life that is creating a need. See, this woman who's drawing water from the well, it's her physical need. But you see, that really wasn't a need because she was going to get water out of the well. Her real need was she had emotional and relationship issues, and those issues were caused ultimately not just an emotional, physical thing, but because she had a spiritual need. She needed God, and because she needed God, It creates emotional, mental relationship needs. And because of that, she's got issues and problems. And Jesus has just used her need for water to get to this point because he's trying to fill a deeper need. And her wanting living water was she was wanting some satisfaction. It was beyond water. It was, I need some peace and satisfaction. I don't have it in my relationship. I don't have it in my life. And so Jesus was addressing that. He was getting deeper into this. And she responds when exposed to the question, bring your husband. She gives a half lie. She's justifying. She's, And we do the same thing with the Lord. We're trying to cover things up. But Jesus exposes. He goes, well, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've had five not one, but five. And now you're with another one who's not your husband. So you're on number six, but you're not married. He's not a husband, but he's number six. See, that there's a problem there. And he doesn't condemn her. He's not saying, oh my gosh, you're with sixth man. No, that's not what he's doing. He's confronting her with her sin because he wants to meet her need. He wants to help her and meet her. He's not there to condemn her. He's there to meet her need. And it's at this point, because he confronts her with her sin, see, this is the point in this story where her eyes are open, where she knows this is not a normal person. She goes, I think you're a prophet because you're seeing things that you shouldn't be able to know or see. And at this point, she's responding to him. And she's like, you know, but she responds to the prophet Now, with the next portion, which is, I'm going to say, the religious box. She's going to try and put Jesus in a religious box. And see, we do the same thing. We hesitate to trust Jesus because sometimes the way we worship we have a certain tradition certain traditional standards certain beliefs and jesus shows up and is not within our normal traditions and i have to use the word traditions or rituals or something because sometimes we think our traditions are doctrines and, and 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 teachings and things like that but they're man made they're not it's not scriptural it's not in the bible jesus jesus is the word he is the bible he is you know, he, he's not going to break God's Word. He is the Word. But we make up our own traditions, and sometimes we want to think our traditions are God's traditions, and they're not. And he shows up. And, and so because he shows up and he's meeting our need that's a little different, we, we become hesitant. And that's what this woman does, is she goes into this religious shell, and she gets into the argument, well, you Jews say we need to worship in Jerusalem, and we Samaritans, we worship on this mountain. And she wants to get into this debate, about what? Where do you worship? Where's my worship tradition? But Jesus, of course, just blows that down. And ultimately, this comes up to the next point that the thing that keeps us from receiving is sometimes just our desire for comfort and personal pleasure. You know, we don't want to give up our sin. We don't want to give up the thing that's causing the lack of need. If you've got a gambling issue and you've gambled all your money away, well, yeah, you have financial needs. If you've if you've overspent, if you bought things you shouldn't bought, and that's put you in financial uh, trouble, um, God meeting your financial needs is not going to help you because you don't you can't control your spending. Because as soon as he meets one need, you've done spent it on something you shouldn't. And there's a lot of things you can buy. There's a lot of things in the world that you can buy that doesn't meet your needs. Drugs, gambling, porn. There's, there's just so much that you can, you, you can spend that, that is destroying your soul. It's a sin that's destroying your soul. And you have to, you have to, you have to give up those desires, that comfort, those pleasures. See, this is where this woman, she sees the truth. You see, Jesus is is speaking to her. He's, he's telling her, "I'm I'm the Christ. I'm not just a prophet, and I'm not here to debate religion with you. I am the answer." And what does she do? She gives up her comfort. She drops her bucket, and she runs back into town. And then notice it says she tells the men. Of the town. She tells the men of the town. See, she no longer is looking at her need. I need water. She's seen the answer. She's no. She she she's looking at, and that gets into her seventh thing, the the seventh point I want to talk about that keeps us from receiving from the Lord of our needs is our reaction. The reaction, specifically the reaction to others, or sometimes, I can call this the fear of men. The fear of man. You see, we, we we become afraid of what will others think. What will others think if I respond this way? What what would they think if I if I do this or do that for the Lord? What are other people going to think? See, this woman here, she didn't. She ran boldly. And then notice that she, she told the men of the city. You know, the men of the city knew her. She was on man number six, and she probably had another line of men. And by the way, it doesn't say this in Scripture, but I bet the men she was talking to was the same men hanging out in the same places that she was finding them at. These weren't your godly men. These were men that were seeking women. And she went and she told them. And she told them what had happened. And they came out. She wasn't afraid of what they would think. They heard her, they came out, and they met Jesus, and suddenly He changed them the same way He changed her. Jesus met her needs, changed her life. The men of the city came out, changed their life. See, Jesus is the living water, and He can drowned out our rebellion he can drown out our sin he can also quench our thirst when we're dry and empty he is the one that provides life he is faithful even when we're not even when we're in the midst of rejecting him like those children of israel were when they forgot everything he's still faithful and to you and I, it doesn't matter where we are what we're doing right now. God demonstrates his love for you right now by taking care of your sin. He paid the price and he asked you to trust him. Many of you may have needs today. Jesus Christ can be your provider. One of my personal favorite scriptures is Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be provided. And those things are what to eat, what to drink, what to wear, where to go. These things are provided for you through Christ. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for today's word of need, God. Father, I pray that you would meet the people's needs, Lord. That you would show them that you are the provider. You are the living water, God that can drown out the things we need drowned out, and you can quench our thirst by providing for what we need. God, help us to seek you first, for you are the answer to all of our needs. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for listening to this podcast. You can catch up on other words for the weeks in our series Words for Life. You can find that at our website at www.christianimpact.net. You can also learn more about our ministries and what we do uh, as far as teachings, discipleship, things around the world. And we look forward to meeting you again here on Christian Impact. Until next time, God bless.